Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, we're so blessed that you joined us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here with Frank Friedman, Arizona and Louisiana. Man, what's the weather like down there near the water? Oh, it's beautiful mid-60s today, but we sure had a cold front a week or so ago. It was down at night into the low double digits. But, uh, oh, my goodness. We've warmed up. Yeah, for Louisiana, that's cold. <laughs> did your pipes freeze? We did have a pipe break, but it was outside, so easy to fix and no damage. So Okay, well, good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. Well, friends, if you've just joined us, Frank and I are talking about what we consider are some of the pivotal words in scripture, not that any word is trivial, but these are some ones that really jump out at us as uh, things, words or phrases that kind of change things a lot. And we're talking about worship, which is a pretty polarizing word. And last time, Frank, if you recall, as we talked about worship, we began our discussion by focusing a lot on the Old Testament and Hebrew thoughts about worship. And just by way of a brief summary, we define that worship is an attitude, a mindset, uh, a bowing down, a prostrating oneself in the presence of someone who is far greater. Not only physically, because you can bow down and, and touch your nose to the ground and still be standing on the inside, but it's a mental and emotional prostrate. It's an act of the will. And interestingly, Frank, just for grins, I went to the dictionary and I mm. looked up worship. And I wanted to see how it compared with the definition that scripture gave us last episode. Okay. And it really is pretty different. It says this, worship is a feeling oh, goodness. or an expression of adoration for God. So it, it's kind of taken a totally different tack. I really think they missed it. Wow, John, they definitely missed it biblically, but I'm not so sure that definition didn't capture experientially what's going on in the church. Oh, yeah. I'm concerned that a lot of people are, it's going to sound harsh, I don't intend it to be, but I do intend to critique and make people think. I think sometimes people worship worship. And John, what I mean by that is they love the feeling that they get. And so when they go there, it functions almost like a, as a friend of mine calls it, a pep rally for the soul. And then I go out into the world and it's a tough world. The tribulation is there as Jesus promised. And my cup starts to get a little empty. And then I come back to church and get charged back up again. And so we become almost addicted to the worship experience. And you hear people, oh, that felt so great today. Well, you know, if we really understand what worship is about, it's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's about you exalting God in your life. And, and even that is a terrible way to put it, John. Maybe 
we recognize that God is exalted in our life and therefore have the appropriate response of honor, obedience, and praise. Now, like we said last time, praise and worship, we believe, are two different things, worship being a much bigger issue than praise, praise simply being an expression of worship. Yeah. But uh, When I walk into different church services and the music sounds like a dirge, Mm-hmm. it's hard to focus. Yes, and so, you know, is. there is a place for the music and the ambiance to sort of set a mood, because frankly, a lot of times when we walk into the meeting room, to the assembly of the saints, our minds are a thousand miles away and mm-hmm. we're swamped with problems. And so it does help to focus and get our attention where it needs to be. But it's just a tool. It's a tool that go. rightfully, when we use it well, will lead us to the point where we're worshiping the way you and I defined last time by setting our mind and prostrating ourselves, deferring and honoring and saying, not my will, but yours. In my opinion, anything that leads me to say, Father, not my will, but yours is a good thing. I want more of that because I don't say it nearly as much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. John, I want to come back to if our listeners missed last week that main word in John 4, Lutrao, which is to serve. And so worship is serving God, serving people. You worship changing a diaper. You know, you can worship driving your car on the interstate. You worship is a lifestyle, not an event, not something we go to. In the corporate worship time, in the corporate praise time, the assembly of the saints on a Sunday morning, very often we get into this thought process where praise and worship comes first and then the teaching of the word. Well, I've always wanted to correct that because the teaching of the word is worship. The receiving of the word is worship. All of life is intended to be and can be worship, which simply means we look to God in his proper and rightful place in the universe and our proper place in the universe because he has his place. <laughs> so it's a it's a much bigger, bigger issue than just singing songs. Indeed it is, although it, those are included. I want to spend some time today shifting from Old Testament Hebrew, what little I know, and go to some New Testament Greek. And there is a bunch of words that relate to the concept of worship, uh, Greek words in the New Testament. And I've chosen two for us to talk about today. And pardon me, Frank, and pardon me, listeners, if I butcher these. Uh, But the first one is a proskuneo, okay? And I looked up how many times this occurs in the New Testament. Guess what? More than 60 times. So when I see a word 60 times in Scripture, I think, wow, (laughs) I got to pay attention to this one. And guess what? It doesn't relate to how many guitars you need, how loud your drums have to be, whether you have lights or cloud machines or what have you. It means the very same thing we saw last week for shaha. It means to fall on your knees. In fact, in the Oriental world, it means to lay on the ground and put your nose in the dirt. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) literally, it means to kiss the hand. That's actually what that means. And so, of course, that fits in right in with our conversation about worship that we had last week and so far this week. Mm. But the first reference to that word worship, proskuneo, 
occurs really early in the New Testament, Matthew 2. And it came from the mouths of the Magi, where he mm -hmm. says, hey, where is he born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we are come to proskuneo him. We are here to lay on the ground before him to kiss his hand. Mm -hmm. Total strangers, but they knew enough about the Messiah by reading the stars that they could come and recognize who he was and who they were in a relationship. Wow. What a, you know, what a revelation. These guys can come all this way traveling for who knows how many months just to prostrate themselves before the king. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting, John, you know, as I was listening to you and this attitude and mindset, this disposition that we have to recognize God for all that he is and who he is and then bow before him. I just had this thought, you know, it's interesting. We, we know in the new covenant, we sit on the throne with him, Ephesians 2, 6. And he's our brother, Hebrews chapter 4. We are his child. He is our Abba, Papa God, Galatians 4, Romans 8. And so there's this incredible intimacy of relationship, but it, it never loses its awe and wonder of who God is. We've got to be very careful about that. We don't become flippant. We don't see ourselves ever as equal or as the one who calls the shots. I think it's interesting, John, that throughout the book of Revelation, John's favorite word is not saint. It's not child of God. It's doulos. It's bondservant. And even though he knows we are seated on the throne with God in the revelation at the end of the age, we find John falling on his face before God. So I think, John, that even though we've been brought into union with God, into intimacy with God, something we should never, ever lose is our sense of the awe of God. And, and that's what will promote a, a worship lifestyle. Amen. You know, Frank, you mentioned that, uh, that intimacy, that one-on-one -on -one relationship between my God and me. I mentioned that this word proskuneo was used approximately 60 times in the New Testament. And in none of those does that word apply to a meeting a corporate assembly. You know, worship is individual, Frank. So you can walk into a meeting room filled with a hundred people, a thousand people, and all thousand could be singing, but maybe only a handful are actually worshiping because it's based on that one-on-one -on -one relationship, that intimate mindset. Wow, that you said so well. And that means, too, that each of us should be able to express that worship differently. That hit me when I was listening to you. You know, someone might be standing on the left side of me with their hands raised and singing as loud as they possibly can. 
And yet on the right side of me, I've got a person who's walking through deep valleys, but God is meeting them where they are. And out of the depths of their woundedness, their struggle, they can't sing. All they can do is cry. John, both of those are worship. Yes. When you said individual, I think sometimes in the corporate assembly, we don't allow for that individuality and we need to because everybody's at a different point in life, but hopefully that point in life is leading and drawing them to the experience of intimacy with God that will find a unique expression through them as individuals. Wow. Well said, my friend. Well said, my friend. You know, as listening to you again, based on what we talked about last time regarding Jesus, his entire earthly life was an act of worship. And so if you run down through a list of all the circumstances, all the actions, everything he did, everything he said, how he interacted with people, every single one of those is a different expression of worship. You can include almost every aspect in our life. And if our mindset is right, then it can be a time of worship. Wow, so well said, my friend. All right, here's another word. And you've used it already several times, so you let the cat out of the bag. And this oh, is the word, uh, latruo, or I forget how that's pronounced. And it's interesting that the, the first time this is used in scripture is in Matthew. Jesus uses it, and he's talking to Satan in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. And uh, Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, because it's written, you shall worship the Lord. There's proskeuno your God, and him only shall you serve, Latruo. Mm. And what struck me out of this verse in the sequence of those two words is that a mindset of worship will always give rise to acts of sacrificial service. If I'm mm. worshiping the God, I will serve him. And so one sort of goes with the other, doesn't it? And this is exactly what James talks about in chapter two of his epistle. So unpack that for us, Frank. It's fascinating, John, because in John four, that's the word, you will worship in spirit and truth. And instantly when I hear that, I think of the spirit and I think two things. One is his power that he provides to us. And I think the church tends to emphasize that to the neglect of the second issue. And that's really kind of sad because the second is the major issue. Uh, the power to do what? The power to have the fruit of the spirit, the love, joy, gentleness, peace, kindness, meekness, self-control. And all of those, John, really play huge in the arena of relationship. And as you said, the word can be translated worship, but the root of it is to serve. Instantly, we go to James and he says, pure and unadulterated religion. Now, that's the way some versions have translated it. Really not a good translation. It's better to translate that word worship. And he says this, pure and unadulterated worship is to serve, take care of widows and orphans. And God says, now that's worship. John, I want to grab the modern church and scream and say, don't limit worship to singing praise songs as a corporate assembly. Worship is 
bigger, more powerful, more life transforming, no more world impacting because it goes out into the world to touch lives. That's the real spirit of worship. Amen. You know, you referenced Romans 12 earlier, either this episode or last episode. I want to touch on that before we move on, where Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I don't really like that command right there, but, but there it is. <laughs> a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is my, John's, reasonable service. That's the same word, Frank. So when we grit our teeth and we say, yes, sir, not my will, but yours, that's Mm. worship. Even in the midst of hanging on the precipice when we're tempted to sin and we say, nah, ain't going to go there. That's worship, Frank. That's Mm. worship as much as anything else is, maybe even more so. Yeah. You know, John, it's interesting. Can we take that just a little further? It's even doing the right thing, the will of God for you when you don't feel like it. And that's worship. Let me just tie in Jesus again. We did this last time. He did not feel like going to the cross. He said, Father, if there's any other way, get me out of this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross even though he didn't feel like going there. And we have to ask ourselves, did it count? Well, you know, if it didn't count, we're all in big trouble. And I take great comfort in that, John, that sometimes my feelings don't line up with what I know is the right thing to do, but I do it anyway, trusting God. And that is worship. It's offering myself as a living sacrifice saying, Lord, not my will but yours be done. And John, I I know you've probably heard this. The problem with a living sacrifice is we can get up and crawl off the altar. That's right. (laughs) And we got to stay there, especially when the circumstances of life make us want to run. But we'll find God true to his word if we will stay where we are, trust him and become that living sacrifice. And I don't know if there's a greater expression of worship than to trust him in the midst of adversity and struggle like that. That's right. Although I must be honest, my friend, when I'm on that altar, I don't crawl off the altar because that would be blatantly sinful. I just shift my body a little bit so the knife misses me. (laughs) So I can convince myself I'm still on the altar. I just didn't get stuck. (laughs) Oh, well. Hey, there's one last thought I want to bring us to, Frank, before we wrap this up. And I want to go back to corporate worship, what the modern church now calls corporate worship, music, singing, ambiance. We would call that praise. And if you look up praise, I don't even know how many times it occurs in scripture, hundreds of times, especially in the book of Psalms. And so that means to boast, to brag. In the Hebrew, it comes from a root to mean to shine brightly, to be a clear, true light. So there's nothing wrong with all the corporate worship that we enjoy together on Sunday morning, if our mindset is right. Am I getting that focused? Absolutely. It's the motive behind uh, the action. And as we saw last time and some this time, God delights in the heart. And we pointed out, he told the people giving the sacrifices, don't bring the sacrifices if your heart is far from me. So it really begins with our heart. 
and our motive and our desire and our mindset. And we cling to that and we need to cling to that even when the circumstances don't agree with it. Indeed. And so as we walk into worship, quote unquote, next Sunday morning, let's have this verse in our minds, Colossians 3, whatever we do, let's do it heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. And of course, being the kind of guy I am, I looked up the word heartily, Frank, Mm. and it literally means from the soul. And of course, the soul is the root of all your feelings, your emotions, your affections, your desires. We say from the bottom of your heart. So again, Mm. this is an individual thing, you and God, one-on-one. When you're worshiping, nobody else is there. Wrap us up, my friend, and then I'll close this out. Well, John, I think it would be wise to go back to Philippians 2, where Paul said, Don't do anything from selfishness or vainglory. Don't just look on your own interests. Maintain the spirit of harmony and peace and unity. And then you say, well, how do we do that? Well, have the same mindset Jesus did, who, although he was God, did not have to cling to that, but he could empty himself, become a servant, become a man, and offer himself as a sacrifice. And that's exactly what we're to do. And it all begins with that prevailing disposition that this is about God, not about me. And it's about him being exalted in my life and trusted as the one who will accomplish in us the fruition for which he called us. So amen. And amen. Yep. Well, friends, you've been listening to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Frank and John here. You can find lots of our information on OurResoluteHope.com, articles, devotionals, ebooks, newsletters, etc. I want to take a moment right now just to ask you to pray for us. Pray that we would hear Father's voice clearly. Pray that we would have his mind as we approach the projects that he's given us to do in 2023. And that includes a couple of new books and a bunch of other things as well. So we covered your prayers. And of course, should Father lead you, we invite you to send your financial support as well. You'll find a link on our website. Again, OurResoluteHope.com. You can find there uh, how to give should Father lead you to do so. And as always, Frank, it almost gets old, but it never really does. We have this reminder from Hebrews chapter six. We have a hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Paul calls it a blessed hope. We call it a resolute hope. So this day and every day, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.